You are listening to the First Baptist Church Martin podcast. For more information on our church, visit fbcmartin.org. John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Is there anybody in this room today who has a troubled heart? I would imagine that the answer to that question would be yes. And in fact, truth be known, I would suspect that perhaps most of us in this room are troubled by something or another. There's some people today whose heart is troubled because of a loss that you've recently experienced in your life. Death has come and snatched somebody away from you that was important to you, somebody special in your life. And it has left you with this huge hole that nothing and no one seems to be able to fill. And so now you're at a point in your life where you're just trying to figure out how, how to put one foot in front of the other, how to, how to go on, and, and it's scary to think about what life looks like without this person here with you in the flesh and, and, and being able to share this life together. And all of that has caused your heart this morning to be deeply troubled. Some of you are troubled perhaps by a doctor's diagnosis. You've gotten some bad news recently, or perhaps somebody you know, somebody you love has recently gotten some bad news, and now you're trying to figure out what the next few weeks or months or perhaps even years are going to look like for you as you deal with this challenge and this diagnosis that has been handed to you. After our first service, I received a a text message from someone who's very dear to this church one of our long-standing members here at First Baptist, who apparently just recently got some, some bad news and just sharing that, that this really hit home with her today because she was watching us this morning with a heart that was very much troubled for that reason. Some of you are troubled because you watch the news. Anybody watch the news? If you do watch the news... You have every reason to be troubled this morning because of what you see happening right now in this world. We live in a world that is falling to pieces, it feels like. You've got this war going on in the Middle East that just seems to continue to escalate and, and people everywhere are asking questions about where is this leading and what's going to happen next there in the Middle East with everything that's surrounding Israel And then on top of that, you've got these rising tensions among the nations of the world, and it feels as if we're all sitting on top of this powder keg that's just waiting to explode at any moment and throw us into a global war, war, a a third world war. And, And then on top of that, we live in a nation right now that's deeply troubled, a nation that is in decline, very much in decline. You look at what's going on in our country right now economically, you look at what's happening politically in our country, you look at what's happening morally in our country, it's very clear that 
America has a lot of problems. And then you look at what's taking place in the streets of America today and all of these different things that we read about and we see on the news and all of this evil that surrounds us. It's very easy if you focus on that and think about that for your heart to be troubled. Some of you are troubled because you live in this kind of world, and then others sitting here this morning are troubled because you're trying to raise a child in this world and trying to figure out what that looks like. And then there are others here today who are troubled for a reason that I have not even mentioned yet. And yet in all of this, Jesus looks at us and says, let not your heart be troubled. Now that's very difficult in a world that's full of trouble. And that's the world that we live in. It's a world that's under the curse of sin, a world that is full of problems and full of trouble, and it's inevitable that when you live in a troubled world, trouble is going to find you at some point or another. And when it does, it oftentimes troubles our heart in some way. And yet Jesus looks at us and says, let not your heart be troubled. That even in the midst of all of this, of all that I've just described, of everything that's going on in the world and anything that's happening in your world, Jesus says that your heart does not have to be troubled. And why is that? He tells us. He says, do you believe in God? Well, let me ask you this morning, do you believe in God? I believe in God. I very much believe in God. In fact, I I, I don't want to offend anybody this morning. I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I will tell you that if you're sitting here today and you say that you don't believe in God, I just want you to know that the real issue is not with your head, it is with your heart. It's not that you can't believe in God, it's that you don't want to believe in God because the evidence of God in this world is undeniable. The Bible says that just walking outside and looking at creation is enough. There's enough evidence there so that all of us are without excuse. There's not a person who has a reason to not believe in God just based on creation alone. No way that you could say that all of this just happened, that we wound up here by chance. This is the work of a creator God, and we are the crown of his creation. And that's why our hearts long for him. That's why we desire to know him, to know this one who is out there, who's revealed himself in creation. And here's the good news for all of us, is that God has not just revealed himself in creation so that we know that he's there, but God has revealed himself in his word so that we can know who he is. And we can know this God who has created all things and who has created us. He's revealed himself to us in his word. In fact, that's what you have when you open your Bible. This is not just a collection of random stories. This is the revelation of God himself to all of us. From Genesis to Revelation, this is all the story of God and God's redeeming love towards sinners. And the purpose of the Bible is to lead us and to draw us to one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Because the way that you and I can know this God who created us and who created all things, the way we can be in relationship with this God is only through his son, Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, from the first verse in the Bible to the last verse in the Bible, this is all about Christ. The Bible is pointing us to Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus, as he looked at his disciples, said, Do you believe in God? If you believe in God, believe also in me. Because he is the Son of God. 
who has come into the world to save us and rescue us from our sins. Where sin had separated us from our Creator, from the God who made us all, where sin had alienated us from Him, Christ came into the world to reconcile us unto God. And He did that by living the life that we could not live, a perfect life, going to the cross, taking our sin on Himself when He went to the cross, dying in our place, and then being raised up from the dead so that by faith in Him we could be forgiven of our sins and we could have the hope and the promise of eternal life. Jesus is the way to God. Jesus said, listen, your heart does not have to be troubled. If you believe in God, then put your trust in me because I am the way to God. And if you have a relationship with God and a hope in God and you know God through his son, Jesus Christ, then you don't have to be troubled about anything that's going on in this, in this world. And the remaining verses in this chapter and the chapters that follow explain why. Chapter 14, 15, and 16. Jesus says, if you have faith in me, if you have hope in me, if you put your trust in me, your heart does not need to be troubled because out of a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you and I can live every day with three things I want to give you real quick. Number one is confidence in the providence and the sovereignty of God. And what that means is this, not only do we know that God is there and that God knows all things, we believe and we know a God who is in control of all things. God is in control of everything. Even in the midst of the pain and the suffering of this world, the things that confuse us, the things that we don't understand, even in the midst of all of the evil that we see in this world, there remains a God who is sovereign, who is in control of all things, and who is working in all things to accomplish His purposes. And His purposes always result in his glory, but also they result in the good for those who know him, love him, and have put their trust in him. Now, sometimes it's hard to see that in this world because we're looking in the moment. All we see is what's right in front of us. And when you look at just what's right in front of you, it looks, it looks painful, hurtful, confusing. Sometimes we wonder where in the world is God, but he's there and he's in control. And even when you don't understand it, and even when you can't see it, God is at work in all things in this world to bring about His glory and our good. Romans 8.28 is a favorite for a lot of people who, who are followers of Jesus Christ. It's a verse that they hold on to and one that they quote often. For we know that God takes all things and works them together for good. And it doesn't say all things are good. It just says that God takes all things. God is at work in all things to bring about good for his glory. And we have confidence in that. We have trust in that. And the ultimate proof of that, the reason why I believe that is not just because the Bible says it, even though that should be enough, but the reason I know this to be true is because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the cross is in itself the greatest evil that has ever taken place in this world. It is the greatest injustice that has ever been carried out. 
that the one, the only one who ever lived in this world and did nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong, who was without sin, was nailed to a cross and treated as the worst of criminals by sinful men. And yet God took that cross, as evil and awful as it was, he took that cross and he brought about the greatest, most glorious good which is our salvation. God proved in the cross that out of suffering, he could bring salvation. Out of death, he could bring forth life. Out of the darkest experience in this world, God could bring forth glorious light. That God can bring joy out of despair. That God can bring peace out of sorrow. That God can bring joy to the most sorrowful heart. God has proven that through the cross of Jesus Christ. And if God can do that through the cross, God can do that through any circumstance and every circumstance in this world. And we trust and believe that he will. There's a lot in the world right now that we don't understand. A lot that we see in the headlines that we can't make sense of. But what we do know is this. God is in control. The cross proves that he's in control. And we rest in that. And that's what helps us to sleep at night. Because we have confidence in the providence and the sovereignty of God. The other thing is this, through Jesus Christ, we have, we have certainty of his promise, and the promise that he gives us is the promise that this is not all that there is. I've mentioned this earlier as we were observing the Lord's Supper, but it's true, and it's something that we have to be reminded of, that this world is not our home, this world is not going to last forever, and we're not going to live here forever in the world as we know it, but that's okay. Because we know how this story plays out and we know how this story ends or how it continues for those of us who are in Christ because our story never ends. We know that we're not going to be here forever, but we know that we are going to live forever and the place that we're going to live is a place that Jesus Christ right now is preparing for us. And that's what he said to his disciples. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. But now I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will certainly come again and receive you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas spoke up and said, we don't know where you're going, how do we know the way? And Jesus looked at him and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. You can't know God apart from Jesus Christ, you can't get to heaven apart from Jesus Christ, but if you're in Christ... You can both know God and also know the assurance that one day you're going to be in the very presence of God in a place that is much different than the world that you live in right now. We live in a world of sorrow and sickness and suffering and evil and tragedy and death. This is the world that we live in. And yet God promises us an eternal home in a place where those things are no more. There's no more sickness. There's no more suffering. There's no more pain. There's no more evil. And praise God, there's no more death to deal with ever again. That all things will be made perfect. It's a place where everyone who is in Christ will one day live and dwell forever and ever and ever. There will be no end to our existence and our time in this place that Jesus is preparing for us. And the best part of it all is not only do we have the promise that if we're in Christ, 
and people we know and love are in Christ, that we have that future to look forward to, that this is not all that there is, that there's more on the other side. And not only do we have that hope that we're going to experience that together forever and ever and ever, but the best part is that we are going to be with Jesus himself, which, by the way, is what makes heaven heaven. What makes heaven heaven is not that our loved ones are going to be there. That's just the icing on top of the cake. It's wonderful to think about the fact that, that if you have a family right now here on this earth, and we all do, that your family can share eternity, that, that this world is not the end of your time together, that you have eternity to look forward to if you are in Christ and if Christ is in you. He's the only one that can afford us that hope. It's wonderful to think about that. It's comforting to think about that. But what makes heaven heaven is not that my loved ones are going to be there, it's that Jesus is going to be there. He's the glory and the splendor of heaven. And if you don't believe that or if you've missed that, then you've misread the story of the Bible. What makes heaven so glorious is the fact that our Savior is going to be there and we are going to be with Him in this place. And those of us who know Christ have this hope and we live with this hope every day. What a difference it makes. I mean, I'm living in a world that could literally end at any moment. And yet I stand here today as one who has the promise and the hope of a life that will never end because of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Death could come at any time and snatch someone that I love from me in this life and it has I've experienced it I've been through it but I stand here today comforted by the fact that if my loved ones are in Christ as I am in Christ then not even death can separate us from forever one day we're going to be together again in a place where there are no more goodbyes and only Jesus can afford us that do you know what a difference that makes for believers living on this side of eternity. I was messaging someone this week who's just experienced great loss in her own life and in her own family. Devastated. And I reached out to her and just told her, I said, I, I'm so deeply sorry for what you're experiencing, what you're going through right now. I, I, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you, that others are praying for you. I hope that will be a comfort. And she responded back and she said, it is a comfort. We're, we're devastated. We're heartbroken. She began to describe what she was feeling on the inside. And then she shifted and said, but, but, I know that my loved one was in Christ. I know that he had faith in Jesus. And what Christ had done for him. And I know that this is not the end. I know that he is with the Lord. And I am comforted by that today. That one day I will see him again. And I sent back to her. And this is what I said to her. I said, hold on to that promise. Hold on to that promise. And always remember that God is holding on to you. There are times in this life when all we can do is hold on to the promises of God. Are you with me? When the hurt is so real and so deep that all you can do is just hold on 
to God's promises. But even in that, there are moments when we all become incredibly weak and we feel like that we're about to slip or that we're holding on just by our fingernails. And when you reach that moment in your life, if you ever do, and most of us will at some point, if you ever reach that moment in your life, you just remember that God is holding on to you. That your hope is not resting in your faithfulness, but in His faithfulness. That you're not holding on in your strength, but in His strength. Makes all the difference in the world. Then the last thing he gives us is this. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, if you put your hope in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you got confidence in God's providence and in his sovereignty. You're comforted by his promise of something more beyond this life. But then also you are certain and comforted by his provision. And when you look at these chapters in chapter 14, 15, and 16 in the Gospel of John, what you find is that after Jesus says this at the beginning of chapter 14 to his disciples, that I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Then for the rest of those chapters, what he talks about mainly is the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says to them, listen, I know you're panicking because you're trying to imagine a world without me in it. But you never have to think about that. You never have to worry about that. You see, listen, you're thinking that it's a bad thing that I'm going away from you, but I'm telling you it's a very good thing. Because when I go, he is going to come. Another helper, another just like me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, third person in the Trinity. He's going to come, and listen, here's the advantage, is that not only is he going to be with you, but he is also going to be in you. So that literally there never is a time when you are without God in this life. If you're a believer, there's never a moment when God is not there. Now there may be moments when you feel as if God isn't there, but that's not true. Those are just feelings. You have to rest in faith that God is true to his word. And what God has promised is this, is that there will never be a time when he will ever leave us nor forsake us those who are in Christ, those who belong to him, that even in the darkest moments when you can't see anything, not even God, he is there. In those moments when you feel numb by your experiences in life and you can't feel anything, he's still there. And what is he doing? He's giving us everything that we need to get through this life. He says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to supply you everything that you need to get through this life. The Holy Spirit is the one that comforts us in our sorrows. He gives us strength in our weaknesses. The Bible talks about how he guides us and directs us. He's the one that leads us into all truth. He's the one that helps us to understand the word of God, to know what God is saying in his word so that we can stand on God's word. He's not only the one that helps us to understand God's word, he's the one that reminds us of what we know to be true in God's word. In those moments when you're questioning everything, when your head is full of doubts, it's the Holy Spirit of God that helps you to reach back and take hold of those promises that God has given in his word, the truth that sustains us in difficult times. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings all of that to our remembrance so that we can hold on to God's Word 
as God holds on to us and helps us in the midst of our most difficult experiences in this world. Here's what I want to tell you this morning, is that if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, there's never a moment when you're alone. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, whatever, you, whatever trouble you deal with in this life, you never deal with it by yourself. God is there. And his grace and his provision will always be sufficient for your every need. I would imagine in this room there are a lot of people who could tell the story of experiences that you have been in, things that you have gone through in this life where you had no idea how you were going to make it to the other side, how you were going to get through it. But somehow you did. Somehow you made it. And as you look back now on that experience, even when you were in the valley of the shadow of death and things were the scariest and the darkest in your life, he was there. He was with you. And he is the one that brought you through. You didn't get through because you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. You didn't get through because you dug down deep within and you found the strength and resolve to make it. You got through because God was with you. And in those moments when you couldn't take another step, he picked you up and he carried you through to another day. That's what our God does. And because he's that kind of God, a good God, a gracious God, a God who is with us, a God who is for us, a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. That's how we can look at this troubled world and live in this troubled world and not have a troubled heart. Because we know who's in control and we know that we belong to him and we know what he has promised. And we know that he is faithful to always keep his word. Do you have that hope in Jesus Christ today? For those of us who are saved, this is nothing but just a, a hallelujah, yes, and amen. Thank you, Pastor, for reminding us today of the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. But if you don't know Christ, then you don't know what hope looks like. You don't have any hope. If this is all that you've got, if this world is all that you have, there's no hope in this world. This world is perishing along with everything in it. The only hope to be found anywhere today is the hope that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you don't know him, we'd love for you to know him today. If you were encouraged by today's sermon, leave us a rating and subscribe to the podcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church Martin, visit fpcmartin.org.